This is Working the Beat. It is Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Mike Kerm will join us in a little bit, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look on how this podcast is sometimes developed. One, Matt Breen is going to join us in a few minutes. He will talk about the Phillies, who uh, made a ton of moves on Tuesday to fix their bullpen, uh, sent Nick Pavetta to Lehigh Valley, uh, and have designated for assignment Nick Williams. Okay, that's, that's part one of the story. Mike Kern and I had talked about uh, a lot of things on the show, but are going to talk a lot of things on the show about college football and all that. Some of this was taped uh, this morning on Tuesday. Mike had some things he had to do, so uh, we decided to tape it earlier. And basically the first segment got wiped out, okay? The first segment of the intro and all that got wiped out because of what has happened in the moment since, which is at about 3 o'clock. The Big Ten officially announced that college football in the fall in the Big Ten is no longer. All fall sports have been postponed. There's a press conference for the Pac-12 at 4.30. It is expected at that time they will postpone football, uh, and the Big 12 could even join that by the end of the evening. Looks like the ECC and the SEC are going to hold out as long as they can. But uh, those decisions are being made. So this first segment is going to replace the other first segment, and then we'll get in the mat. So it'll be this segment, then the mat, then back to Kern, and then Kern and I will talk about everything going on. So uh, it is a uh, busy, busy Tuesday. Uh, We have Bob Cooney coming on on uh, Thursday to talk Sixers, <laughs> what's left of them at this point, um, as they move forward. But when we come back here on Working the Beat, we're going to be joined by Matt Breen, the column, or the Phillies beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. We will talk all things involving the fight in Phils and what is going on with a team that just seems endlessly mediocre at this point. So Matt Breen joins us on the other side, back after this. Joining us now, the uh, I, I almost hate saying the longtime beat writer for the Philadelphia <laughs> Inquirer, but he's the second most senior, I think, at this point on that beat. It is well, at least at the Inquirer between Brook yeah. behind Brookover. We're not going long time though, because you know Jim Saul. Jim Saul is very long time. I'm I got nothing there, so yeah, it's Matt Breen. We're- Matt, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Kev. How you doing? All right. First of all, what's life like in the uh, in the ballpark these days? <laughs> I mean, what is it like down there? I guess if you just like if you just dropped in mm-hmm. one day without, and you know you slept through the last five months, it would be weird. But I feel like life's weird. Like, like everything is different now. So like it would almost be more weird if you went to the ballpark and it was forty thousand people. Yeah. So. 
it's it's very different compared to where it was last year, but it, it matches the rest of your everyday life right now that it's an empty ballpark and you know everything is conducted on Zoom and stuff like that. It's for for the for 2020, it's the new normal and we're making the most of it. Yeah, we should point out it's normally Matt would be at the ballpark right now when we're yeah. recording this and he's not. Um the the one like the the one thing I've kept looking, it almost feels a little bit. You covered the Carpenter Cup all those years, <laughs> you know, or you were when you did high schools and everything. Is that a little bit like that or not? There were fans there. Yeah, yeah parents can't you substitute the cardboard for that or yeah. you know? It's uh, it feels like spring training in the morning when the before the games and the ballpark's empty, right, and the are working out and we still sit in the press box and you still have the music and yeah yeah it's kind of feels like that it feels like a, a spring training morning and then you have to remind yourself that you know when you're watching the game at 705 that this is a game this is a major league game it's not a practice it's not a scrimmage it's a real game that counts and it's a uh, i'm sure for the players it's got to be a challenge to get the intensity up and i think for just for me sometimes it's like you know, this is it. This, you know, it's real now. So, you know, you got to kind of bring that same reporting that you were bringing a year ago when it was obvious that the games were real. And it's funny to say this. We're about a quarter of the way through this at this point. You know, the Phillies are hovering around 500. Uh, they've made a slew of bullpen moves today. Uh, how much does this uh, Nick Pavetta go back to Lehigh? And I'm not sure if we'll see him again in the near future. Uh, Nick Williams gone, uh, DFA'd. What what does this all kind of translate for? Uh, does this uh, the the moves they made today really help this bullpen? I think the Connor Brogdon move definitely does. I think it was a move that was a long time coming. A kid that probably should have made a team out of training camp. Um, throws hard, gets has a high strikeout rate, has a really nice changeup. I think he's a nice piece. He's a he's a guy that can actually contribute out of that bullpen, and you, I would almost be open to seeing more, seeing more, you know, shuffling into the bullpen. Two moves today. I think there's there's at least two more guys in Lehigh Valley and Damon Jones and Garrett Clevenger and either Addison Ross. So that could be three. Jojo Ramirez four. Uh, it, you know, there's there's guys ready in Allentown that are if the rest of the bullpen. It continues to be as unreliable as it is. You're going to see more of that, and I think this was finally, you know, a step in the right direction to get get uh, Connor Brogdon up here. The, it, why was Brogdon not on the roster? Was it kind of similar to what you saw with with Howard a little bit? Not one to maybe start the clock, or or is it just no? They went. They had other options, and they figured this was just we're going to try them, and then Brogdon's back there. We could bring him up. Yeah, he wasn't on the forty man, so you needed to make you needed to get him on the forty before you put him on the major league roster, and I think that that complicated it. it it's not about service time, really, because he's not in the class. Class, right? Alex and Spencer Howard, but I think that they liked the guys that they had because now now you've parted with Trevor Kelly, and Trevor Kelly had a good summer camp, so mm-hmm. you, he was already on the forty. You wanted to keep him. Now he's gone. So Nick Williams, you had the DFA Nick Williams to get Connor Brogdon on the roster. So I think it's more of just the, the two layers to the move and simply just saying he's on the roster. And, and now that you're there, so you know, you've know you seen enough out of these guys that, that you knew you needed to put them on the 40-minute roster. 
Final question on Nick Williams. I mean, to me, they really did him a disservice not trading him when they got How- uh, when they got Harper last year. That that I thought, you know, there was something to be said for just moving on and letting the kid play somewhere else or have an opportunity somewhere else. And he never really meshed with what they were doing the last couple of years, and by then it was too late. Am I wrong in the way I'm thinking? Yeah, but I guess the front office also owes it to themselves to, you know, to piece together the best team and the best minor league system. And if they thought that Nick Williams was an asset and they didn't like what they were able to get, then that's fair. But I don't, I don't think they owe it to people to put them in better situations. No, but I, I think when I say they owe it to him, it's I don't think he was going to help them off a bench. He just wasn't. I, you know, maybe. Maybe that's a fault of the player too, and I'm not I'm not saying it that way. But I, you know, I, the way it just kind of got handled just felt, uns- you know, he played once every two weeks. It felt like, you know what I mean? Yeah, he he did struggle as a pinch hitter. Um, he struggled coming off the bench, and the the tough part, the part that complicates this, is that they signed Bryce Harper right. so late, so in, late, yeah. twenty nineteen. That if that happens in December or January, and your roster is it's a little more obvious what your team looks like going into spring training. He's probably traded before 2019. Right. But That's the next a better year, market to get something. Yeah, and then McCutcheon gets gets hurt in June. So, you know, maybe Nick Williams is that guy, but here Adam Hazley ends up getting rushed to the big leagues. So I think, you know, all these he – was, he was kind of waiting there, never really got got a chance, and quite frankly never really played himself into, a chance. into that role either. And now – Hopefully, good for you know, he's a good guy, and hopefully he you know latches on somewhere else and, and does get that chance that you're talking about. What is the biggest thing that surprised you to this point with this team? Um, I mean, you knew the bullpen was going to be bad, so that's not a surprise. Uh, Jake Arrieta, I would say, yeah, you know, he's looked really well through two starts. Um, it's only two starts. It, it, you know, you're not going to write an entire season about two starts, but you knew you knew coming in that you, you didn't know what to expect from him, but you knew that if the Phillies were going to get to October, they probably needed Jake Arrieta to be a contributor, and so far he has been. I, I liked the movement on his pitches. Um, his last start, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does in start number three. But so far, that's been the biggest positive surprise. Is that because you you know what you have at one and two, and then you right. can imagine what Spencer Howard's going to be. Zach Eflin's pretty solid, but if you have Jay Carrietta as a complimentary piece to Wheeler and Noel at the three spot, that that's enough to pitch your way into the playoffs. Yeah, and especially if you get into the playoffs, then it also gives you three that you can roll out who could be solid, yeah, no, and it back ends your bullpen too. That you can have, put some of these guys back in the bullpen and give you give yourselves a better shot, at least down the road. I, I was also saying negative surprise. I don't know if Reese Hoskins is a negative surprise, but, boy, there is a lot of problems there right now. I know he had a hit last night, and, and, he, and he drew another walk, and I had somebody, we had, you know, there was a whole thing on Twitter yesterday about him. Well, he's still got a 400 on base percentage. This isn't what this guy was paid for. This guy was paid to, to be an anchor in the middle of your lineup, and he's just not. Yeah, I mean, on base percentage is great. Great stat. You want to get on base, but you can't look at you can't look at any stat in isolation. You know they all play a role. So you're on base percentage four thirty. Say 
well, what's your slugging percentage? What's your batting average? They're below 200 and far below the average. And that's a problem. You can't just have one without the other. And right now, he's getting on base most of the time through walks. Um, highest walk rate in the National League. Uh, on base percentage, that's 100 points better than league average. So he's doing that. He's right. just not doing anything else. And I think, obviously, like you said, that's not what Reese Hoskins is. Reese Hoskins is the power bat to go with Bryce Harper and JT Romuto. And he's not being that right now. And then, then you step back and you say, okay, it's 11 games into the season. You know, you have to give everybody a chance to, and especially with the way that that week went again with the Marlins, COVID sure. outbreak, how crazy that was. So you, you want to rush to judgment, but I, I think you owe him a little bit more time, but then, Devil's advocate to that point is you, you You can look back at what he did the second half of last season, and it was almost a replica of what's going on right now. So it's a problem, and it's something that needs to be fixed. And you talk about how important Jake Arrieta is to starting rotation. Reese Hoskins is just as important to the lineup because, you, you know, again, you know what you have in Real Muto and Harper, but you need that third guy to really – step in there and that that's supposed to be Reese Hoskins and you talk about the you know if you have a 400 on base percentage that's great and it is but it's better if you're a 400 the 400 on base percentage is great if you have a guy who could steal 35 bases and generate things on the bases if he's constantly taking walks and getting on and moving himself in the scoring position that's not Hoskins and if he's not using the power bat that's where he becomes yeah I mean to me the only stat that matters is OPS. OPS, yeah. These guys, and if your OPS is below league average, it's your your, your production is below league average. You're, you're then cherry picking things to to make make an argument where his job is to have a high OPS. His job is to get on base and the slug. Right now, he's not doing that. both of those things in tandem. How would you be more concerned about Hoskins or Kingery at this point? Hoskins, just because of how more important. Hoskins is to the lineup than Scott Kingery. Scott Kingery is a concern, and he's Scott Kingery's not producing. But you could get by with you know a guy that's hitting seven, eight, nine in your lineup, mm-hmm. not producing. You need, and and he's playing he's playing good defense. So you know that's where you you can talk that up to. Is that a concern? Yes. Is it more concerning than Reed Hoskins? Definitely not. And and the thing with Kingery is, do you give him a little more slack because of what he went through? with the COVID stuff, right, as camp was getting underway. He had a shortened camp, so he could still be feeling his way through a little bit yeah, trying to get a, back. That's a great point, and that's probably, you know, the way, the way you have to end that one is that you, if you're going to give a guy a week to get a feel back after you know, crazy week of postponement, you got to give a guy time to get back from – we don't know the toll, what COVID really – what kind of toll. We're still learning about that. and Right. safe to say that – he took a lot of his strength away. They've now gone through two bouts of COVID, really. I mean, one, they were an innocent bystander with the Marlins thing. But they also had their third little outbreak in Clearwater before everything got started. Have How much do you think as an organization they've learned about how to handle with protocols and everything uh, to keep themselves to get to the finish line of the season? I mean, you've seen the Cardinals... The Cardinals are, are a mess right now, and the Marlins were a mess for a while. And you know, you, you hear what happened with the Indians with Clevenger and and Plezak at this point. I, I almost get the sense though that those the the first experience of the Phillies 
really helped them even in the Marlins mess, and now this has helped them a little more down the road. Certainly, but I think what's really helped them out is that the schedule, playing 16 to 17 to start the season at home, that, that's that's how you control it. You know, you're not on the road. You're not staying in hotels. You're not tr- jumping on airplanes. It's just a way easier to, to stay healthy. You're getting yourself to the ballpark. You're staying in your own house. You're controlling more of your own factors. That, that's going to be thrown out the window when they go on the road next week. So, But to the Phillies' defense, they, from all I can tell, they seem to be following the protocols. They seem to be taking everything very serious, just like when they had two employees last week um, test positive and end up being false positive. The way that they reacted to that, those positive tests was exactly the way you should, following the protocols. So to this point, they've done a great job, but mm-hmm. the real challenge is next week when they go on the road, do the players stay in the hotel? Do they buy in that way? And that, that, that's the challenge for any team when you're traveling we're talking to matt breen matt uh from the inquiry matt do you think baseball gets to the finish line of this year with the way everything is going on i mean you know the card the cardinals thing is kind of flown under the radar it's not as publicized as the marlins but this is all i mean you're talking two weeks of a season gone yeah two weeks of a of a 60 game season yeah it's crazy I, i don't know if the cardinals are going to get through the season or if they're going to qualify for the playoffs, but I would be shocked if Major League Baseball isn't crowning a World Series champion. And well, I just think... Will they go to a bubble for the playoffs? I, maybe. Joe Girardi said today that he'd be open to that. He said he'll, he'll be open to whatever it takes to get the season done. And that's a fine idea. It's just, you know, logistically, you, you know, you better be working on that now and have everything in place because you look at all the, the work the NBA did their bubble together. It didn't just happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a reaction that it happened in a week. That bubble um, but I, I think when there's money involved and there's too many people that, you know, too many parties that are going to benefit from it, that they'll push through. Just like I think the NFL will push through and they'll, they'll have a season. Well, you've, uh, yeah, baseball will do the same thing. Sure, and we've obviously seen the day with college football where they, you know, there's money on the line. They're going to alter their ways try to play in the spring but in the end you know it just it, became it, too expensive the, and the athletes aren't you know, paid, paid so yeah you, you know when there's professional athletes involved and they're able to say we'll play and we're getting paid so, so they're kind of taking the risk on themselves that's you know, i don't think that's on equal footing as a college athlete speaking of somebody getting paid uh do you think <laughs> do you think we're going to see any talks with JT Real Muto and the Phillies before the yeah. end of this year? Huh? That was a really good transition. Thank you. It's one of those things I just realized. I probably should have asked that question before, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, if, if we'll see it before the season? Before the season ends. Mm, I, I don't know. I, right now, there's nothing cooking. Um, but 60 games, even as short as this season is, it's still a long way away to – Things could change at the drop of a dime. I, I think the Phillies will still sign him. It has to come in December. It'll come in December. I don't see him playing somewhere else in 2021. There's too many, you know, Bryce Harper loves him. John Middleton loves him. I'm sure we've talked about this before. You have those two guys in your corner. Mm-hmm. You couldn't ask for two better people in the Phillies. It's probably the two biggest voices in Citizens Bank Park. 
the one guy that signs your check and the other guy almost an assistant general manager at this point. You know? he, he may get promoted to GM by the end of this, but go ahead. <laughs> and I would just be shot. They're gonna they're not gonna be outbid. They're, they're it's just it may, unless JT Romuto doesn't want to come back. If he says Well, is you know, that the danger by letting this linger as long as they have? It is, but I don't see any hint of that. I think it's a guy that likes Philadelphia. Um he lives in South Jersey. He likes it over there. Um has friends on the team obviously with Harper. His wife and Harper's wife are friends. I think he likes this. So he he would want to stay here. But but that's the one caveat to all this is that it's not just a Philly's decision to make, obviously. I mean, personally, in my mind, and you're right, it's it's Middleton who's going to make the decision. But if you're Matt Klintak, you can't let him walk because if he walks, what do you have to show? Like, you trade your two best prospects. If a guy who's your your organization rightfully calls the best catcher in baseball, you have endless resources financially. I know they're going to take a hit this year, but they still have a lot of, of money available. You can't let him walk out the door. You basically, your whole tenure walks out the door if he walks out the door, correct? Yeah, and he, he knows that. And the other part of this is that, like, why it's going to go to the offseason, because the Phillies want to set see what the market is because of the pandemic and the season play without fans to see what, what, is, what is the price for a top-tier free agent in 2020 compared to 2019. Then also, JT Romuto, he owes it to himself at this point. Yeah. That's free agency. He's waited his whole career, six seasons, to get to this point. He's lost an arbitration case. Now he has a chance to test himself, even if he wants to stay in Philadelphia. He can go to free agency, get more offers, actually get a fair price, and potentially put himself out there to see what he is worth. Instead of just signing in August of 2020, when you, you don't know what the market is, you wait till November, you know what the market is, and then, then you sign. I and, and I agree, and, and that's probably why it, it'll get to that point, uh, you know, because he it, he would be doing it himself at the service if he didn't get to that point. But the Phillies think they're going to get him cheap. They're not. I mean, they're just not. He's going to maybe be the number one guy now that bets is off the market on, in the market. So, especially I, with yeah. DH. Yeah, especially yeah. with Universal DH coming in, absolutely because yeah, you can he, play him hundred and fifty. You can't just say, "Well, he's a catcher," while well, he's. He's also a bat in your lineup, which which leads to the last question, and this does involve the GM. And I, you know, I asked Gelb this before, and I've asked all you guys. I mean, are they in a good spot as an organization right now? Because they have a lot of money tied up, or they have a lot of money that they spend, but they just feel hopelessly mediocre in a lot of ways, and their minor league system is not as flush as a team that hasn't had a winning season in eight years probably should be? Or am I over-reading this? No, it, it just it seems like the minor league system is finally maybe get getting to the point where it should be, where, where it, you know, it should be better than, than it has been. Um, we saw Spencer Howard last week. Yeah, boom. Um, Mick, Mick Abel from... Right. There's, there, there's guys that have... Like, finally, it seems like you can point to, like, a handful of prospects that are legitimate contributors, not, like, guys that, that you know, might, might play a role. Like, you, you, know, you might have some guys in the minor leagues finally that 
are going to play serious parts if the Phillies are a contending team, which they, they honestly have not had in a while. And but that, that's that's been the problem. That's why they're not moving forward in the last few years is because yeah, they they, they added a ton of money, but they didn't internally there wasn't much coming up so to join that money. So you have this high payroll and you weren't able to to accessorize the high payroll with low cost internal options, which if you look at like what LA and Houston does, that's how you win is yeah, you spend money and you acquire talent, but you also have to produce your own talent. Once the Phillies can do that, that's that's really what takes you from a sub five hundred ball club to a playoff contender every year. And it looks like that might be that still might be two years away. And it feels like everybody they've had come up, maybe with the exception of Nola, has a yeah but factor. Hoskins has moments, but yeah, but he also looks lost now compared to, you know, after the whole John Malley thing. And, and Kingery is great, yeah, but they never kind of got him settled. And all of it, there, there's a lot of yeah buts on this team. And I think that's uh, uh, that's a problem. I don't know. Maybe the, uh, maybe it's just the way yeah. I'm looking at it from the outside. If you can't make the playoffs with a, a salary that's, you know, pushing the luxury tax in a season where they have, eight playoff spots, and that's a problem. You know, you can't keep kicking the can down the road like, well, two years from now we're, we're going to be better. Like like I was saying, it, it would, if you look at it realistically, that's probably their window. Yeah. But that's a problem because this rebuild, you know, started in 2015 and it hasn't produced a winning season yet, let alone a playoff spot. And if you can't do that in a 60-game season, then, you know, they're serious, serious questions. And especially since the 60-game over the last three years has been their best portion of their schedule. When you think about it, compared to... True. Yeah. Uh, this was the season for Gabe. <laughs> this was, And you know what? Gabe's team's actually... All right, it's awful, but Gabe's team's, like, watchable a little bit, you know? I mean, I guess. I, I just... <laughs> You're having trouble watching like, any of this, aren't you, right now? No, no. I, I uh, No, I enjoy, it's good. It's uh, it's good to have sports back. It is. Just, it, it really is. And I, I'm sitting there at the ballpark the other night, and I'm like, what would I be doing if the season got... Oh, you'd be with the the kid. I mean, I know, but just like for, but I'd be like, what would be writing about? Like, you know, it's just so weird. Glad to have, definitely glad to have the season back. But Gabe doesn't announce the starting pitchers until like, you know, five minutes before before first pitch. It's just, I can't wait till you guys, I can't wait till you guys all like eventually write your books that talk about the Gabriers, the stuff that we didn't see. No one's buying that book. Oh, uh, you know what? I think there'll be a, a fringe Phillies fans who would buy the book. Yeah, there we go. Make a lot of <laughs> That's money. a lot of money. At this point. They, in all honesty, if they won the World Series one of those years, it would have been a hell of a book. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like we all talk about how the process will make a great 30 for 30, you know, for the Sixers. Yeah. I think the Gabriers may have made a good 30 for 30. Yeah. Down the road. So Matt, Matt Breen from the Inquirer. Matt's on his way to the ballpark to, to watch another fine evening. It's the Baltimore Orioles in tonight. And by the way, I'm sure you got the note. You know any Orioles fans, Kev? What? You know any Orioles fans? I, I am one. Oh, okay. I am one. I, I, I actually have a little thing over there. in the. Um, uh, we, should, before, uh, we should point out tomorrow night's game is on Cozy TV. Uh, because, seriously? Seriously. Uh, we got a note. I got an email from Comcast. They're still emailing me, even though we all trash them anymore. That's that like NBC channel, right? Yeah, because uh, the Flyers are going to be on NBC Philly. 
The Sixers Raptors game is going to be on NBC Philadelphia Plus. So wow. they are on Cozy TV. Got to find that. Uh, oh, it, so I'm sure I can't wait to watch the Twitter outrage when people try to find Cozy TV on their television. Here. Well, so. the Sixers Sunday were like, it said that horse racing was on, but it was really the Sixers game. Yeah, because they had moved, because the Phillies were the double header, I think, and moved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there was outrage for that. Now there's going to be outrage for this. For Cozy. So you're you're warned. So thank you. Matt. I'll stay. Yep. Be good. Say hi to everybody down there for me. Thanks, Kev. Good talking to you, man. Be good. Say well. Say hi to the family. I will. Thanks, dude. Matt Breen. And we'll be back on Work of the Beat right after this. Our thanks to Matt Breen for joining us here uh, as we talk Phillies. Like I said, they've hit the quarter pole. They're just kind of, they are what they are. And I think they are what what you thought they they would be. Yeah. And they could be a little better and they can be a little worse. But, you know. I, I think people were getting all excited because of Joe Girardi, which is, hey, you know, I think we didn't realize how bad their bullpen was and how, um, how not, I'm not going to use the word bad, but how questionable their, their, their secondary starters are, although Arietta gave you a really good game. And you've gotten some bad performances so far from Kingery, Hoskins, yep. left field, center field, and that's too much to overcome. Uh, Let's do quick hitters here on the other local teams before we get into the college football stuff, uh, because I want to give the college football stuff the most time possible. You're going to quick hit Ben Simmons? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Jeez. Saturday. Um, all right. Yeah. No Simmons. And Bede at least looks like he's going to miss some time until maybe the playoffs begin oh, next week. Yeah. Uh, they're done. They're done. Okay. You know, they're, they're not going to win. They might not have won with Simmons. <clears throat> um, you know. They're done. They they did ask Kevin because I know we've we've discussed this. They asked Jackie McMullen, right? Whose opinion I, you know, I appreciate. She's covered the NBA for forty years. Whatever. Mm-hmm. She said she would not, no way, break up Simmons and Embiid because they're too. Uh, I don't know what words. I mean, I throw the caveat of I would like to see them with another coach right now. Well, you're going to, and you're going to. <laughs> I, you know. You know, the scarier part might be that Klintak might be might not get because of the, the shortened season. Like you kept, I just don't see how Brett. I mean, I could see a way he comes back because they could say, but they played a whole season. Yeah, yeah, and I know they had injuries. I, I, I don't, yeah, and and they they may just be injury prone. That, that, you know, that could be true, but I think Brett's done. I, I just don't, unless God forbid they do something I don't see them doing in, in these playoffs. You know, which I mean, look, they're going to get Boston. It looks like in the first round. I, I just don't see them beating the Celtics. I no, just but don't. I mean, if they beat the Celtics, it wouldn't be the biggest upset in the history of the world. No, but let's be honest, <clears throat> they don't have the best player on the court. Uh, probably not. But you you know what Embiid can do if Embiid's in the mood and 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 he doesn't have to you know, and then maybe one of your guard you know maybe Shake Milton goes nuts. Maybe Tobias has a really good series. Maybe Horford plays well against his old team. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't. The two teams I don't think they can beat are are the the Toronto's and the Milwaukee's. Um, if it got that far, and I'm not sure they could beat the Miami's. Uh, I th- I don't think Jimmy Butler would let the Miami's go down. Not not to a team without Simmons. No. Well, even even maybe a team with Simmons. So the Flyers, Flyers start their series against the um, uh, the Canadians on Wednesday night. 
the NHL playoffs go into the regular playoff format tonight. Um, the one versus twelve matchup. You know, the, the Montreal has Carter. Uh, I'm sorry, has Carey Price. Um, they have Shea Weber on the back end, who is still pretty good. Uh, but I, I think that the one thing with the Flyers is defensively they're so tough, and Montreal has trouble scoring. So there's going to be the uh, where the series uh, plays out at this point. Well, I mean, Montreal's coming off a nice win, obviously, uh, but the Flyers are the better team right now. That, that look, we've seen so many times in the NHL where the best team doesn't always win. Mm-hmm. That's the that's almost the hallmark of the NHL playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, is that anything can happen? But but now the Flyers have a little pressure on them. You know, there was no pressure the last three games, really. No. You know, if they were the four seed, they were the four seed. If I mean, basically, them and Boston. <laughs> I'll tell you what's really going to be interesting. I don't know if it's going to play out this way. Probably won't. But if if Boston and Philly met in the next round, which means everybody would have to win for that to happen. Yeah, because it gets reseeded. And, and um, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that would be a hell of a series. Because I'm sure Boston now is probably a little ticked off. You know, that they played all year to, to be 10 points ahead of everybody and now they're the four seed. But, look, if the Flyers keep playing like the Flyers are playing, and none of their big guys did anything. No. I, I shouldn't say did anything. They didn't score in that first year. They only gave up three goals in three games. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to lose if you give up three goals in three games. You, you're just not. Kevin, when was the last time – I know this answer. Wait a minute. Two things I'll throw at you. The number one seed in the East has not made the cup finals, I think, in 13 years. Okay. It's been a while. The Flyers have not lost back-to-back since early January. Yeah, well, five months of that is off. No, no, what I'm just saying, though, for for two months, they haven't lost a back-to-back game in a while. Yeah. And in the the playoffs, if you don't lose back-to-back games, you should be in – that doesn't mean you're not going to lose back-to-back games. No. You know. And now you're going to have overtime games. If, if they're tied, you're not going to have shootouts or whatever. Um, there's no reason to think that they won't continue to play well. Now, what that's going to get them, you know, I mean, they're well, probably going to have to th- beat Tampa again. Yeah, there, there's a – well, it, it's interesting. The, the, there's two points I want to make kind of as that. One, the other three series in the East are going to be blood, blood wars. Tampa Columbus, you have the battle. Uh, you know, Columbus knocked Tampa out last year, so there's going to be a, a a heavy revenge factor for the Lightning. But the, the the Blue Jackets can really make a game ugly, so that's there. Capitals and Islanders are playing, and that's a Barry Trotz plays his old team. Islanders are real physical. Islanders could give the Caps fits, and then Carolina, I think, is the second best team in the tournament right now behind the Flyers, and they get Boston in the first round, and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Here, the, the way I look at this, and maybe I look at this funny, the top five teams in the East, if you included Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and I talked to a guy who's a big Pittsburgh fan, Dean Ken, you know, yeah, I know Dean, yeah. Dean Kennefick. If you look at the top five teams in the East, the only team that, that has a future, you would think, is the Flyers. Yeah, because um, the Bruins the are old. Bay, Tampa Bay is banged up a little bit right now, and a lot of their guys probably aren't going to be there next year. This is, like uh, Jason said, right. kind of like their last stand. The Caps are getting old. Now, I know, look, uh, he, Ovechkin still has gas in his tank. He's right. going to, But they're, they're getting – they're not, I don't think, on the upswing, you would say. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. Boston, the same thing. 
Um, this was kind of me. And, you know, people forget Boston was in the final last year. Mm-hmm. When you play that game late, seven of the final game seven, they now, which maybe you could say, but the break might have helped them because maybe they, but who knows? And Pittsburgh is basically going to have to change their team around a little bit. Doesn't mean they won't be good next year. It just means so the Flyers, mm-hmm. like, if God forbid they didn't win this year or get whatever, I mean, they, they look like they have more of a future <clears> than the other teams. Um, so, but I don't think Flyer fans are thinking that way right now, nor should they. And um, you, mentioned, you mentioned about the Bruins. I mean, the Bruins have the same cast of characters, Marchant, Krejci, uh, Chara, uh, Rast, that you saw earlier in, in the 2010s that yeah. won a cup. Um, yeah. yeah, so you're talking about time is just against them at this point. But see, that, that, that series, if it comes to that, and like I said, that means all the favorites would have to win. I don't know if all the favorites are going to win, but if the Flyers play the Boston's in the second round, I think that could be a really – It could. Yes, and I think – and and they don't have a good record against Rask. Um, no, uh, and they didn't face – and we should point out, they, they didn't, didn't face, face Rask right. in that Well, first. they didn't face Rath, they didn't face Stamkos, they didn't, but I don't care. It, the, the Flyers dominated all three games. So um, it wasn't like they won on a fluky bounce or whatever. Carter no. Hart looked good. Elliott looked good. But more importantly, the defense looks good. Um, they're getting production from all kind of guys. That you know, it reminded me. Quick little funny story. When Cheney's team in two in 1993, they were seeded 10th or 11th. I can't remember. They barely made the tournament. They go out and they they won two games. What the we're Seattle? Out we're out in Utah. No, yeah, and then they got to Seattle. Seattle, right? So we're walking up the ramp after the and the second game they won was over Steve Nash's. Steve Nash was a freshman. Santa Clara. At Santa Clara. And Santa Clara had upset Arizona in the first game. Right. And Chaney looks at us and he laughs. He had a big belly laugh that Chaney has. He goes, who are these guys? And it was a take on the Butch Cassidy, Sundance right. kid. Where they, and that's what I'm thinking about these Flyers. I'm watching them yeah. play. And I'm like, who's that guy? Like, who's this guy? Who's And, and I mean, and and their, their third and fourth lines are, are playing so well. Mm-hmm. Um. That if they ever start getting something from Giroux and uh, you know uh, uh, Couturier and I mean I mean and they will you know they will at some point man I mean it's just it, it's almost I'm trying not to get too excited now I really I, I understand I, uh, man, it's, I I it's I w- fun to watch Kevin I I remember by the way that Temple run because they had Michigan on the ropes in the lead eight that may have been the, as close as John oh, ever yeah. got oh, to no, they, were, they were beating Michigan by eight. At halftime, right, and we, you know, you're sitting there going, Ugh. okay, and then Michigan kind of bully balled them in the second half. They, yeah. they, they kind of the refs kind, yeah, whatever. Look, Michigan was probably the better team, so I, I'm not going to say. And then they vacated it anyway. That's I had right. To go up to Cheney, I had to go up to Cheney like three years later and say, "Hey, you made the Final Four. What? <laughs> what you told me? Said they vacated, John. You, you know, you whatever." Um. All right. Let's get the college football. Um, by the time you are listening to this, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 could have decided to say goodbye to the season. Well, it sounds like the Big Ten did, right? I mean, it's, I mean, it sounds like the Big Ten is it going sounds to. Like, yeah, they're going to. It sounds like there's a final push coming. And that the Pac-10 or Pac-12 or 14 or whatever the hell it is would follow suit? Is that the thinking? There's talk that actually the Pac-12 will be the first. Oh, okay. Officially. Okay. 
and not push it to the spring, just cancel it. Well, no, no, push, uh, to explore options to push it to the spring. Because I asked Joe, I texted Joe Giuliano yesterday about that, and Joe seemed to make it sound like if the Big Ten did it, they would not play in the spring. And you're seeing the pushback. The one thing, I, I, the, let's start with this conversation. You've seen James Franklin. You've seen Jim Harbaugh. You've seen Ryan Day, Scott Frost out in Nebraska. Uh, I think, I, you know, Kirk Ferentz hasn't been that vocal, but Kirk at this point probably shouldn't be vocal given what's going on with their program. Um, to me, these coaches, like, the in open defiance of their school presence who are the ones ultimately making this decision is a fascinating development. How much of this is we, because the players are pushing back and want a season so bad that we're, we're, we're going to stand up and look like the good recruiting guys and all that. But, but deep down they know it can't take place. Or do you think that they, they're really hell bent hell bent trying to season football players want to play. Basketball players want to play. I was 18 years old, 19, or well, I did still play. You want to play. Kids don't, most kids don't see it. You know, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, whatever. I want to play. If I'm Fields, I mean, you've worked all year, you know, and if I'm a coach, like Harbaugh came out, I understand what Harbaugh is saying. We haven't had a positive test, you know, in, in whatever. The kid, but this notion that kids are safer being on campus than they would be if they went home is bogus BS. You don't, first of all, you don't know what a kid's going to be when he's home. How about when they get on an airplane to go somewhere? How about when they're in a stadium? How about all the other people who are going to have to be in that stadium? Mm-hmm. Forget about the kids on your football team. This is what they're overlooking because, as Booger said, we are selfish. We are selfish as a society. We're selfish, and it's all about money. It's not. It's about. I'm not saying the kids. It's about money. They want to play football. Um, it, it goes back to the argument about should kids be in school. The stupidest thing we can do right now in this country is send our kids back to school. I don't care how you want to say it to me. Oh well, Mike, they'll, they'll do this. They'll do that. They'll, no, 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 no. You put a lot of people in a confined place. People are going to test positive. They're going to get sick. People are going to die. Okay? And don't give me the thing about the kids don't get sick. Yes, they get sick. Look at the numbers that are happening around the country right now. So this notion, I think the presidents, and we don't know about these long-term things. Like what was the the one um, real good tackle at Tennessee or Indiana? And we we should point out that, that, yeah, it was the tackle at Tennessee who has a heart condition and who – you know, be the one main thing that's apparently driving all this um, is the idea of <clears throat> the there's a heart condition that goes, and I don't know the name of it, but there's a heart condition that goes along that appears in some COVID nineteen patients that mm-hmm. especially strikes athletes, mm-hmm. and that it would be particularly on a you know debilitating uh, for the athlete. And I think most college presidents and principals and chancellors and all that are looking at this and going, the liability that we are oh, under. God. You're right. From an insurance standpoint, if one of these kids catches it, has this heart condition, forget if he dies, okay? If the kid can't play, you know, let's say the kid from uh, Tennessee, the kid can't play uh, professional football, 
Yeah, they're going to be on the hook for a liability for lack of a career. Yeah. Or if he has a heart condition for the rest of his life that's going to affect the way he lives. Lives. Um, <laughs> Kevin, would you like to be in that courtroom for that trial? Because then Tennessee would have to defend itself. Right. Um, somehow, some way, by saying, well, the kid could have opted out. He could. It's, it, it's, it, it, I, I said this months ago, and Herb Street can't. The best thing that we can do is shut down, but people don't want to hear that. And again, it's all about, it's mostly about money. It, it, the Mac doesn't make money. So the Mac can shut down and nobody cares. Everybody says good for the Mac or the Mountain West or whatever. It's the big five conferences. But this notion that if, let's say, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 say they're not going to play, and the SEC says, well, we're going to? Okay, fine. Go, go ahead and play. Play your games. Do whatever. Have no fans. Whatever. And God forbid if there's an outbreak. God forbid if all of a sudden, two weeks into the season, the Auburn football team has 30 guys test positive. And I hope it doesn't come to that. We all hope it doesn't come to that in every realm of life. But what we see around the country right now is that it does. Well, and, and people can put their heads in the sands and say, no, it's getting better, it's getting this. No, it's not. And I think the other part that, that we don't consider here is the economics. And, and look, there's going to be no fans in any of these stands this year. But they'll still get their TV money. They'll still get their TV money, but they are going to take a hit financially yeah. um, with no people in the stands. And it was funny. There's a woman, a Delaware County mother of a Penn State player who was on uh, Fox uh, 29 last night, who's talking about, well, you know, football just means so much for the Penn State community and you got to have it and all that. No, no, that's not a legitimate excuse anymore because nobody's coming. Nobody's going to be there. You can't. You're not opening up. You're not having fans. It, it, it. This idea that like somehow the country will crumble if there's no college football. As much as I love college football, let's also be realistic. It's not going to be what everybody thinks it is. And but that but that's the message, Kevin. It, it the message we've seen it with pro baseball. We've seen it with Major League Baseball. They've had to shut down two teams. And yet they're still playing. It, it, it's like they shut down two teams, three teams really, if you count the Phillies. But the difference here, the difference is they're the pros. major league play. But not the major league players are still getting paid. I pros. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, but we have made college sports, especially football and basketball, we've made them into pro sports. Even though the kids aren't getting paid, they are like in the South. It's a pro sport. It is. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. In Ohio State and Michigan, they feel the same way Penn State people do. Wisconsin, uh, you know, name the schools. Um, if Indiana doesn't have football, eh, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll figure it out. I mean, you know, they'll whatever. Uh, could you imagine Alabama not having football or Clemson not having football or LSU? I mean, it'll be like catastrophic. But again, <laughs> there's a pandemic going on. Like what? What part of that do not we understand? Um, and if God forbid you could push it to the spring somehow. Now I know the concern there is if you play in the spring and then you're bringing kids back in the fall and they'd be playing two seasons within yeah six you know, months four or five months of each. I get it. Uh, that's not optimal either. Um, I don't have all the answers, Kevin. I I, I God I I wish I did, but. 
On the other issue with this is you're seeing the the players themselves become more vocal about their situation. Yeah. Uh, You saw Fields and Lawrence and all the top players in college football basically do a Zoom call the other night to decide Mm -hmm. to have this unified But also the Pac-12 kids who were coming out, you know, like on the other side. Right. Um, Are we heading for a college football player union? I don't know if a union, but... We are moving towards a time when they're going to have more say. Mm-hmm. And I think they're starting to realize that now. You know, um, like what the UCLA players did. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that was a Chip Kelly thing. I really I think don't. it's a culture thing. I, th- I, I, I And that culture yeah. beyond Chip Kelly. Yeah. But, I mean, look at what happened, what, what allegedly, uh-huh. is happening in Colorado State. Yeah. I mean, that's nuts. And I'm not going to sit here and, ju- you know, the facts are what the facts are. They'll come out. There'll be two sides of the story. But do you really not think that some of that is going on at other places? And I'm not suggesting that, that Jim Harbaugh or Ryan Day or, 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 or Franklin or anybody is telling their kids, hey, you know, don't, don't report it. If I don't mean it that way. But it goes back to the sense that what we get from an administrative standpoint, well, if there were less tests, we would, you know, less people would test positive. Huh? Really? What is that? So, so if Colorado State's only reporting five kids instead of the twenty or twenty-five or thirty. That makes the situation what? <laughs> I mean, you know. And but we've known this for years, Kevin. That the kids are pawn. They're not pawns. They get a college scholarship out of it. They get an education. Let, let me ask you this question because I thought this was fascinating. One of the coaches was saying, I can't remember which one it was, was basically saying that. Um, or, and this was Orlowski's point, too. These kids need discipline. All they know is football. You know, football, their whole lives revolve around a football. Okay, what are these kids going to do? Hey, how about you study more? Hey, you're in college. Well, I, I love how about you take somebody four tweet, hours a day and study more? Somebody tweeted out that, uh, oh, you're going to have these kids on campus around other cl- uh, uh, other students and all that, and yet it's more dangerous, like, you know, kind of in a divisive uh, cynical way. Well, let's be honest. Most classes, I think, are going to end up being a, a hybrid or a virtual. Um, Aren't they already? Haven't a lot of places decided that? Some, some in the South are still going okay. in. But I don't count the South. The South is a different country. Um, I mean... Look, it, it, yeah, <laughs> this was, if the, you know, these kids could still have access to all the training stuff that they need. Okay, they could still go to a weight room. They could still talk to coaches. All that you just don't play. That's all. You know how? Idiot, think about this, Kevin. College football is king in the South. I get it. That it, it, that's fine. That's their their thing. I mean, it's also king in in Nittany Lionville. You know, well, we see places in the North. But think about this. If this was college basketball season that was coming up, nobody in the SEC would care except Kentucky. No. Now, maybe, maybe now I'll, I'll also say this, okay, that all these programs, in a way, when they say the kids are safer because they are in a testing regimen, they can be tested. Sure. They can, yeah. That is true, okay? Right. The problem is that when they leave that complex, they're still going back to a dorm hall. And when they leave that complex, they can still go to a party. They can still go to a cafeteria and eat and yep. all of that. And that's like where seeing, like we're seeing major league baseball players sometimes yeah. too, even though they're told not to. And, and that and that's where the danger lies. And it's one thing if you can't control thirty major leaguers 
who are adults who are used to living in hotels. Yep. How are you going to control 119 year olds or 121 year olds? You can't. Well, I told you what I'll tell you. Told you long a few months about a month ago. But what that guy we both know at a non at an F an FCS school said, you can have all the rules you want. You yeah. can give all the kids all the protocol. They're 19-year-old kids. Kids. They're, they're not. And, and the other question in all this is, Kevin, Alabama can probably afford to do the test, the kind of testing you Every need Every day. To do. Right. Temple can't. I mean, Temple will go broke mm. if they try to do. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that because <clears throat> I've been on Twitter and I've been getting a lot of crap for saying that the PIAA is irresponsible for even thinking about fighting this this recommendation from Governor Wolf that you don't play till 2021. And, and it's irresponsible in my mind because you could try to structure something where you play the winter sports in January, February. You can play the fall sports in March and April, and you can play the spring sports in May and June. Okay? And but you can't play football in January and February. No, you, can, you? No, you play the fall sports in oh, March oh, and oh, April. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay. You flip. Okay. And the P and you know, I'm having parents. Oh, you know, the kids are fine. You know, everything we've heard. And, and the one difference between even college athletics and high school athletics is college athletes are going to get tested. They will get tested. Right. It may be a cost loser, but it will get tested. These high school kids aren't going to get tested at all. Kevin, the one, did you see the school in Georgia, the high school, where they posted the picture of the people? Yeah, the they state? already got like seven or eight. I saw. I think more than that. And the kid got suspended. Right. For, the, the for posting the picture. The picture got suspended. No, you're absolutely, Kevin, you're absolutely right. You you are. But you're, you're beating. You're, you're, you're never going to win the art. Like, if I was a parent that had a 17-year-old kid, let's say he was a senior at Neshaminy. Would I want my kid to play? I mean, do I feel that? I don't know. Maybe I would. Maybe if my kid was a senior starting the senior season or whatever, whatever the case might be, maybe I would. But but I just don't see everybody's making sacrifices in this. Everybody. That's if some people's sacrifices are greater than others. I get it. Um, but you know, during World War II, everybody made sacrifices. They didn't like. We're in a war right now. Whether people want to admit it or not, or they, they can think what they want, but I understand how some parents would think that way. Um, but it's it just you're right, Kevin. You cannot, if God forbid, a kid tested positive and, like you said, wasn't tested. I mean, was positive but wasn't tested, and then all of a sudden you have like 50 people get infected. And we're not just talking about the players on the team. All right, take, they could take it home and infect people. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Kevin, but. You know, there's there's a lot of people that think the other way, and I and I understand that, and I respect their opinion. I I, I just I'm an err on the side of caution type of guy, but that's me. It's you know, it's not my senior season. I might be missing. Um, and the I, P- I, and and look, when it comes to college sports, I mean, high school sports is a whole different story, and you know, colleges can. All their eligibility. You could grant an extra year of eligibility to everybody who's yeah. in this year. Okay? Right. High schools, you never do get it back. But I, I always come back to the thought my father had. When something bad happened, a couple things in high school, you, you know, as a teenager, you get depressed and all that. And 
your father looked, my father used to look at me and say, you know, if that's the worst thing that happened in your life, you've lived a pretty good life. And you hate saying it that way to a high school kid. Mm-hmm. But if this is the worst you're going to go through. But when you're, 15, when you're 15 and 16, Kevin. You don't think that way. High, I get school it. Was, high school was the most awkward years of your life. Sure. Because you're not an adult and you're not a kid. You're, you're, you're in the middle there. Right. And my heart goes out to any kid who is who has really put his heart and soul, not just football, forget football, I mean soccer, um, whatever, whatever your sport is, whatever you, um, like I don't even know, let's say you're a music person. Let's say you're really into music. Are you going to be able to do your music if you're not in school? No. Okay, so they're going to lose out also. Um and yes, it sucks. It absolutely sucks. It does, no doubt. But you're right. But I, I understand why the 16 year old kid doesn't understand that. You know, we're we're adults. No, but yeah. that's where the adults have to come in. And what I what I well, th- find disturbing yeah. is that a lot of the adults think, are acting worse. A lot of the kids have a father like yours. Well, I, I would Pro- imagine no, at all these schools. I mean, look, the bigger outcry oh. I've seen has come from from rich suburban schools yeah you know? you, well you gotta yeah you're you're because there's an entitlement yeah there's an entitlement that we're i mean the, the news came out about the public league yesterday and you mm-hmm. know a lot of those public league kids mm-hmm. um you know that's that's their life i mean that might keep them out of trouble for all the hell we know it might it might who, who the hell knows and, um and, and i'll give you a example of what's wrong with the piaa right now all those, let's say a kid at South Philly or, you know, Northeast, okay, who really probably needs sports to get through, they are not going to be able to play. But meanwhile, their sites will be open for St. Joe Prep and Roman and all those sites, that, that all those teams that need it, you know? Right, right. You know? Yeah, I, well, it was kind of like you were saying with college football. There's no, um, you know, you would think that – there's got to be one voice yeah. um, that says, you know, like you were telling me the other show, I think about the Merlin, right? The Merlin governor yeah. came out with something or, um, look, Kevin, we're, we're living in goofy times we and are. there are no right or wrong answers. I might think an answer is the right answer. You might think an answer and somebody might say, Mike, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. That's not the right answer. Okay. And we see it in our country right now. It, it's, it's, it's everything. Until there's a vaccine and this is sort of under control, sort of goes away. It's never going to go away completely, or at least, right. in, you know, this is what we this is our this is what we live. This yeah. this is how we live. It's going to affect basketball. We're, we're, we're going to be talking the same conversation in two months about basketball. Yep. I mean, you think? Let, let's think of Villanova for a second. Their football team was going to be really good this year. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean they were going to win a national championship, but this was a team they had looked forward to. Now it ain't there. Mm-hmm. Okay? They may never have this opportunity for it. Jay's basketball team could start out number one in the country or number two or whatever. Right. They may not have the season they think they're going to have. It may be a truncated season. It may be, you know, we don't know. Um, do you think Jay feels bad about that? Do you think – um? Um, the coach of, uh, um, oh God, why can't I think of his name? Um, oh God, I, I'm, I'm losing my mind now. My senior moments. Um, I'm, I'm, I was reading coach, something. What were, what, who were you talking about? Football coach at, um, at Villanova now. The guy who took over for Andy. I, uh, oh, yeah, I know. I, I, it'll pop into my head yeah. two minutes from now. Uh, 
Do you think those guys aren't sitting there going, my God, you know, all my kids want to do is play. Of course. Yeah. There's no doubt. And even if you have a, even if your team is only going to be a five and five team, you know, you want to play, you put all that work into it. I understand what the president's saying when he tweets out. Sure. They've put work into it, but they're, they're, you know, there comes a time where you, you have to look at the overall and say, what makes more sense for everybody? Um, I think personally, Kevin, you, you co- would PIAA games with no fans be nothing. Um, what, yeah, well, you tell me. And, and I'll say this before we say goodbye. Um, you know, I didn't. One of the things I took from my time at Rosemont was the stressing of the athletic experience to make it an enjoyable experience for the athlete. That's what college sports at the D3 level was. And that's what high school sports are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be big business. You're not making money. You're not going to the pros. You're enjoying yourself. You're continuing to play while you get an education. Okay? And w- the main thing was experience being you know, music and, and PA announcements and whatever crowd you can get and all that. There's none of that there. None. There will be none of that. You know? Right. Right. I even find it weird when you watch these pro games, seeing how much they've tried to jazz up the experience for the NBA in the bubble, where you know you have the, yeah. the big video boards behind and the NHL. And they've sort they've sort of made it work, though. I got to admit, they have. Um, baseball's weird right now. Ba- baseball's yeah, but I mean the bu- is, if if we've not learned anything else from any of this, the bubble seems to have worked. Yes, it did. Um, now, could you do baseball in a bubble? I don't know this. Could you have done football in a bubble? I, I, I obviously it's a lot bigger of a challenge. Um, but the NBA and, and especially the NHL, I'll give the NHL all the props in the world that so far you're not going wood. The thing about colleges and high schools, Kevin, it was a great point you just brought up about the experience. Uh, for a lot of these kids, mm-hmm. this is the last time they're going to play. Yeah, you know, whether it's a college or whether it's a high school. You know, this is like, you know, they tell you, you remember your high school, you know, your last year of high school or whatever for the rest of your life, right. especially if you didn't go to college. And these kids are having that taken away from them. Yeah. And is it right? No. Is it right that the, the restaurants in Philadelphia can't be open? No, no. that's not right. But it has but to it's be. A nece- it's a necessary evil yeah. because of what we have that we're dealing with. And when you see pictures of people at parties where there's 500 people, I was playing golf the other day over at Trump Trump's course over there in Jersey, and we get to this one hole, and there's a party going on in a townhouse, like young kids, um, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, like, why? What what don't they get? Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, because we're gonna live our life, and and you know, now people are telling you, no, you can't live your life until we get this under control, and we and we've figured it out because safety to me has to be the most important thing. Um, and the shame of it is, you know, you could play football and maybe, uh, you know, Nishamini's team doesn't have a lot of kids test positive. Yeah. Or if they do, maybe a lot of them don't get sick. But think about this. The kid tests positive, he's got a quarantine. Yeah. What about the, the coaches who are around the program? Like what I, about the You lose two they, weeks in quarantine. Yeah, and what about the families? But the problem is there's no testing, so how do you know? And that's where it well, gets real... Dicey. See, I don't see how you're closer to the PIAA than I I have because I haven't covered it alone. How can you? And I guess this goes for schools too. I, 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 how can you have people in school and not test? 
I just can't afford it. I that that part I get, but then how can you have them in the building? Hmm. Like, are you expecting these people to go get their own tests? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So how many kids in the public league in Philadelphia can afford to go get their you own can't. test? You can't. Right. Uh, um, yeah, you, you got me, man. Yeah. Uh, so what, where's the PIAA stand? No, so Philadelphia pubs are not playing. Right. How about South Jersey? Is Jersey decided? Jersey is pushed back for now. So like the end of September? Yeah. Okay, and where does the PIAA stand? PIAA is still the bait. They've paused everything for two weeks. They're still they're trying to negotiate with the governor and the state legislature. They say they have support from the state legislature. Um, it it they're they may try to fight it, but I don't think there's enough school districts that are going to. And gonna teams let it are still practicing as we're as we're no, saying no. this. Nine not practicing. Okay. No contact drills have taken place. No, but there is voluntary workouts. Nothing mandatory is starting. Okay. And we could run into the same situation, Kevin. Let's say, um, like we saw in baseball. Mm-hmm. Let's say Nishamini plays North Penn mm-hmm. and on a Saturday. And on Sunday or Monday, uh, two Nishamini kids test positive. Yeah. Or whatever. Then you got to shut North Penn down? Maybe. You know, you have to go back and say, hey, wait a minute. That's you guys why it them. doesn't work. And that's why, like, I've tried to say this on Twitter and people have no common sense right now. Well, you they know really don't. I, I tell you about Twitter, but I, I understand um, you're not going to win those arguments. Um, I know. It's a shame that the NFL can't somehow do a bubble. Um, and and I, I guess they could, but, it, but, but I, it's at not. this point it would right. be not. Um, but it, it's just because we've seen in the bubble situation of, of, of the NBA and the NHL, it seems – like it's worked. Worked. Uh, you know? Thursday, we have Bob Cooney scheduled to join us to talk Sixers. Um, yeah. He, he can fix the Sixers for us. I, I want to tell Bob an interesting story um, about a time at Comcast with him. And I'll leave it at that. On Daily uh, News Live? No. Oh. I'll, I'll tell you later. I'll okay. tell you off the air, but I'll, I want to break it to Bob on the air. So we record this podcast. Okay, kind of shows a lot about what's going on over there right now. Anyway, well, I know I know what's going on. They've destroyed. You know, Sealski wrote a great column. He did. Davy Jones wrote a column. Yep. Out in the house. I thought Sealski's was. I thought Mike really hit the heart of the matter. That it w- the Comcast was a really really good thing. Yeah. At some point in life, and and the Daily News Live was a small part of that. We weren't you know we weren't yeah. the headliners or anything, but we like to think we were. And now it's just, it's like a shell. Yeah. And it's not the people's fault. It's not Michael Barkan's fault. It's not the, it's, it's a corporate decision yep. that seemingly makes no sense, but I'm sure in their corporate headquarters it does. Yeah. Um, because we've seen that in newspapers. Sure. We've seen the same thing. Um, we've seen it at KYW. Uh, they got rid of know. the ticker, by the way, at KYW. Yeah, but I heard it was because they ran out of tapes of it. They had no, like no, it was actually on a micro dish. They they were trying to be funny and they. You know. Oh, and now are they bringing it back? No, but there is a backlash. I I saw that. Yeah, I, I saw yeah. that. Um, I mean, people forget. Not like I said, I'm not tooting our own horn, but Daily News Live at one point was really a pretty good show. Yeah. Um, because it had personality. It had different. You know, you could get into an argument with Marcus. Um, 
and 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 whatever, and 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 it it was good back and forth, give and take. And then when they started bringing people in from here and there, we're going to go to the guy in New England because he's part of our network. Nothing against the guy from New England. I, Who got laid off, by the way? They all got laid. Everybody got laid off. But I mean, it just <laughs> it, and, and nobody I'm realized. Sorry. I mean, it's laugh. Yeah, no, well, hey, look, you got laid off. So I mean, you know, I, yeah. I, I got to tell you, Kevin. You know, as much as I feel for what's going on now at, at Comcast. I felt the same way when, when when I found out that you got laid off. I like to, I had to sit down. I, I had I had to sit down and I and look. I know other people that have got. I've known a lot of people in this business that aren't in the business anymore. But I was just like, really. And like, and, and, my, and you know it's funny because we're approaching three years now. Um, has so, it been that long, really? Yeah, it was seventeen. My God, August seven. Oh, so or, you got let go just before se- I decided to leave. September of seventeen. Yeah. I was December 17th. Um, I look at it, though, with the way the business is. And look, I'm a year, you know, less than a year away from getting my teaching certification, Um, you know, to become a full-time teach. Uh, I I could still dabble and everything, but I view it as a blessing. You know, I, I think it's tougher now for people coming out now who have been let go at different areas. Than it is, and it's been tough. I mean, the, the last couple of years have been tough, but you, you, yeah, but it you wasn't get... a blessing when it happened. Oh no, no. Yeah, I mean, you were. I'm I mean, look. There's yeah. part of me. I haven't opened up about this, but there's part of me that's still extremely bitter towards some of the people there. Very. I'm bitter. sure. Um, I'm, hey, Kevin, when I when I th- there's times when I think about it. if I now look the Inquirer is a different entity. Um, if I were still with the Inquirer, I'd be fine. You know, I, 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 I think I would still be there. I don't think they, I would have, uh, unless I left on my own volition, um, I still would have been doing whatever it was I was doing. Now, I might have been doing some other things to help out, like Joe Giuliano does some other things and some other people. But, um, you know, I, I could have still been covering Villanova and covering college football and this and that and the other. Right. Um, but, like, it, it's what happened to guys like you who were just told, you know that you're no your services are no longer required, and believe me, there was people at the paper that went through that at my yeah. paper, um, and I know some of them, and so you know they were good people. I saw tears. I remember walking around the newsroom on days when I mean people crying. Right. Uh, and one time, a person was crying, and I went up and asked them. I said, "You know, why are you crying?" They said, "Because I'm not one of the ones leaving. I'm staying yeah. because I have to stay." And, and that's why they were crying. And I uh, and I also, you know, I, I, the bitterness is not even towards the people who made the the decision. I mean, there's some things that were out of their control. Um, my bitterness is towards what's the remnants there, in a lot of ways. And I will also say that I'm also bitter. I'm not bitter, but like you and I both have discussed this, and I'm not going to get too much in the detail, but like. There's a lot of people in this business who promise you stuff when everything like this happens, and then you realize that they're just full of shit. And there, the, there, there were entities that took advantage of situations and promised that they would talk to you about maybe future opportunities. Oh, sure. And then you find out third and fourth handedly about you know them hiring other people. Um, Kevin, I went through a little bit of that too, only because. I saw, how can I phrase this the right way without, 
I saw other people getting to do some things like I thought something would pop up. Not mm-hmm. necessarily a full-time thing where like someone sure. would say to me, yeah, but things that would enough that it would keep me busy, whether it was on filling in on a radio or filling right. in doing st- whatever or you know with the athletic maybe uh doing some stuff for them which i did some well stuff. i wasn't gonna name names but go ahead well i did so, <laughs> i know you did so i mean whatever and then you see things that happen and you're just like wait a minute you, you know and, and i'm like i'm mike kern i covered this for 40 years i think i'm pretty good you know why won't you and 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 after a while but again i was in a fortunate position that financially I, I was okay. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, but professionally, there was just a part of me that said, you know what? I could be doing more. I could be doing, but you know what? You start to realize that those things are out of your, and when you see other people getting laid off, like somebody said to me once about one, and I think it was one on the radio, and they said, Mike, we'd love to have, we're getting rid of people. Like, we ain't hiring people. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, and, and those people are just trying to hang on to what they got. Yeah. Um, can you imagine if you're Michael Barkan right now? And I haven't talked to Michael about this, but and you go into Comcast or or you're Amy and you look around and what do you see? Yeah. That must be depressing. It is it's gotta and be. to know to know that you're the survivor. It's like the Titanic went down and you're in a rowboat and and, and two thousand people just went under. Um, do you feel good that you're one of the ones that didn't go under? Sure. But you sit there and you're numb. And you're wondering why you were why you were saved as opposed to the other. Why you were saved? It's like the person that walks away from a plane crash. Yeah, you know. And why why did I walk away? Um, and if I had been in your, if I had been, well, let you know go, the one, right? Well, you yeah, know the I one story I, about what happened to me at a. a I know not, several stories. Well, yeah, but the one that I was kind of referring to about prom, like promises of interviews and having opportunities, and then finding out. Yeah third and fourth hand and kevin i've tried to tell you this as best i can over these last years that that is more what's going to happen than the opposite way oh yeah and and you i know you've applied for a lot of jobs and a lot of gigs doing different things and i've seen you go through that and it hurts me to see you go through that yeah but our business right now is just a horrible business. Yeah, it and is. the only people that are going to probably get hired, like we just saw with the athletic, is a young person, you know, who maybe I, I don't know what they're paying. I have no idea. I don't, but you know, who are willing to come in. Maybe they they um, fulfill a need for for that particular um, well entity. And on the flip side of it is, I'm not sure. You know, all right, you've said the athletic. I'm not sure I want to be at the athletic right now. Because you don't oh, know what that sure. subscription model is yeah. going to be. Right, but it would be a job. Oh, it I mean, would. Saying is, but it, it could be, be ending just as quickly. It could It could it be could. over. But, you know, I mean, I remember, look. I look. I had and I don't good, wish that. I just say, I'm just saying that as fact in this economy. I had, some, I had some good experiences with the athletic. They let me write some stories. I wrote them for them. I didn't make a lot of money off them. I thought I wrote some good stuff for them. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reasons, I heard that they just ran out of money. They didn't have, like, stringer money or whatever. And and that's okay. I don't hold any grudges against anybody because there was no promises made. Um, mm-hmm. I just found it frustrating that somebody like me would be available in a market like Philadelphia not to be a full-time guy. And if they don't want to give me benefits or yeah, whatever, just to, hey, I'll write a couple stories for you every week. Just make it worth my while. 
And it was almost like I was asking. Well, there was a serious communication issue there, and I'll leave well, it at yeah. that. But but I don't know if the communication issue was from them or people above them. That's what we never know. Right. It could be like a Comcast situation. You know, where I mean, I mean, KYW looks like they're going through much of the same things. Because mm-hmm. um, we know some people that work for KYW, and every time you talk to them, it's like, oh, my God, really? That, you know, um, the business, you know, it, 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 it's five years from now. I mean, it'll be like it was in the 1960s. Yeah, well. You, you know, you'll have two minutes of sports or whatever, and because that's what ESPN changed the whole world. When ESPN came in and you could get your highlights any time of the day, um, you know, scores, this, that, the other, and now there's five ESPNs that you can go to and get your scores and whatever. And, uh, you know, the need for an inquire is not as great as it used to be, um, un- unfortunately or sadly, uh, and people don't read. People right. don't want to. You could write a, you know, you could write a great story about McCutcheon, and people might see and go, okay, you know, and they're on to the next story. Yeah. And and that wasn't the case 15, 20 years ago, or mm. even ten years ago, maybe. Um, but the world's just changing. And hey, look, the world changes. You know what? What what we went through growing up. What, what I went through growing up in the sixties and seventies wasn't what my parents went through growing up in the thirties and the forties. And then what you went through growing up when you did. And now kids now are growing up in a totally different world, and that's just the way life is. It doesn't make it worse or better. It just makes it different. And, right. you know, most people don't like change. They're not change people. I'm not a change person. No, I can tell. Yeah. And, but, <laughs> anyway. you know, you, you learn, you evolve. You, you know, but at my age, not doing anything, I don't really have to change or evolve. It, right. You know, but when I was at the paper, the last 10 years I was at the paper – you know, I had to learn to change a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. get more into things. Um, and it was okay. You know, th- th- once somebody shows me how to do something, I can usually do it. It's just a matter of if I'm not interested in doing it, I don't really care. Right. Um, but, uh, hey, you know. Uh, all right. So, Bob, on Thursday, by then I'll make the decision whether the goatee stays or not, by the way. Where to go what? Where the goatee, whether the goatee stays or goes. Since I, I'm so- What's wrong with it? Well, it's got that big gray blotches on the chin. Well, you're going to have a big gray blotch unless you color it. But then it won't match your hair. So, What hair at this a, point? There's a lot of people that have beards or goatees or that are gray. I mean, you know, if it doesn't bother you, right. then you shouldn't worry about what other people think of it. That's, that's my opinion. Uh, I I, I flirted a couple times. I just said to my wife, because I hate shaving. And then I looked at it, and it was like all, you know, these grayish. And, and I said, ah, I don't. But that's me. I, you know, when she, she cut my hair the other day, and, like, all the hair coming off was gray. Right. <laughs> and then uh, my daughter, who was into the hair business, you know, yeah. she said, Dad, you can color your hair. And I said, but then I got to do that, like, every six. And then the next time you saw me and all my hair was brown or yeah. black or whatever it would be. You'd say, oh, Mike, you look great. It's like those hair commercials, yeah. like where now you get hair. Yeah. So if I went into the hair guy, and then you would see me the next time and say, Mike, what did you do? Did you, did you, uh, <laughs> I'd say, well, geez, Kevin, I got a toupee. I got new hair. And you'd say, oh, you look great, Mike. <laughs> no, you don't. You look like crap. <laughs> yeah, like, but, but the goatee is fine. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, I'm, we got pushed back on school until May, or I'm sorry, until uh, November, mid November. Might be May. Might be May. <laughs> 
Oh, I hope not. Oh, so you mean you're not going to work because it's virtual, right? So they won't need subs. They won't need subs as of now. I didn't even think of that. My personal opinion on the goatee, this is me. Yeah. I like less facial hair. Okay. That's that's a me thing. But the goatee on you doesn't look horrible. So, you know, um, like 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 Teddy Solari with a goatee, I would have been like, yeah, Teddy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but some people just like. It just, you know. Yeah. But you're the one that's got to look in the mirror every day. And, and the only other well, person that matters is your wife. Yeah. And, and what did she say? I think she's letting me do it right now. But I think at some ah. point she'll say. Well, you know, that's going to cost you, too. Because, you know, you're, you're going to if she lets you do that, then you're going to she's going to get you at some point. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Okay. Uh yeah, so by then we we could know about the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, right? Well, yeah, and we'll have, obviously, the Flyers will be after game one, and we'll talk about that. And right. Phillies and, and Sixers, I think the Sixers are playing the Suns, who yeah. are really good. They're, they're like 6-0 and in the bubble. Uh, and Devin Booker's become, like, the best player in the NBA. Yeah. All of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, one thing, I, what was I going to ask you? Jesus. One dumb question before we go. If... Let's say the Big Ten and the Pac-12 don't play, which it seems to be leaning that way, right? Yeah. Okay. And the SEC and the Big 12 and the I ACC. Think the, I think the Big 12 will will go with what the Pac-12 and the uh, really? Big Really? Yeah, I do. Okay. So you think the SEC and the ACC would just say, screw it? I think they view themselves as college football no matter what. Okay. That's fair enough. What about a league like Temple's? Do they look stupid if they then play at that point? Because <laughs> they're, the, they're the sixth best league, right? I mean, we would all agree to that. that the, the, the league that Temple's in. Mike Arasco says they deserve a seat at the table. Who's the, pa- I'm who's not the commissioner? I'm not that far, but they're the, ne- they're the best of the non power five. Okay. We would all agree on that, right? Right. But there's still a separation. But do they look. What do you think the look is? Like, what do you think people in Philadelphia would say if if Temple's playing football, Penn State's not? um, See, that's my fear. My fear would be they would use that as an opportunity to say, oh, we should play. So programs like Temple could get more attention. That's my fear. Do you think they will get more attention if they played? Oh, I'm sure. I guess they would. I'm sure they would fill a void, yeah. And they're going to have to get on a plane and fly to Houston. Mike, or fly it's so to ridiculous. South Florida. Mike, yeah, the Big Ten. Yeah, like the other. They should be the first conference that cancels because, to be honest, That's the geographic right. inequity. Yeah, the SEC stays in their own little pocket. The Big Twelve stays in their own little pocket. Now, maybe their pockets are bigger than they used to, and the ACC. Right. Yeah, because you have the Syracuse and the BC and all that. That's. Yeah, you know, a little more askew. But the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and all them, they're canceling, but, you know, and they don't have quite the road trips that you see at Temple have to take all the way down to Houston right. and Rice. And See, in a perfect world, if you told me that Temple was going to play, let's say, Rutgers home and home, Maryland home and home, uh-huh. um, who, who else is close? Penn, Penn, I'll, I'll just throw Penn State in there because – but Penn State home and home, right? And um, uh, uh, West Virginia, I mean, I, that they're not really that close. But you know what I'm saying. I know. You do something like that, because then you'd only be getting on a bus, right? You'd be taking three, four, five buses, whatever you would take. 
But this notion that they that they're going to have four road games or five road games, and you know one's going to be in Florida, one one or two is going to be in Texas, yep. one's going to be in Memphis. Um, I it's just wow. Yep. I don't know. Anyway, we'll get back to that on Thursday as well. So our thanks okay. to Matt Breen for joining us, and uh, our thanks to you for joining us. This has been Work of the Beat. Coming soon.